Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the new season of the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, program faculty member for Influential You and your host for the new season of this weekly podcast. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we have helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, we welcome my good friend, Ross Clenet to the Influential You podcast. Ross Clenet is a high-performance recruitment coach out of Mornington in Victoria, Australia. He is responsible for the development and delivery of high-performance coaching and development programs, gives keynote speeches, and leads recruitment training organizations throughout all over the world. His website is rossclenet.com. And he's also a part of the Influential You faculty and an expert when it comes to the area or condition of life known as career. He's a sought-after expert on this topic, and I'm so excited to invite him today. So thank you for joining me in welcoming Ross Clenet to the Influential You podcast. Ross, how are you, my friend? I'm well, Josh. Good to see you, my friend. And it's, it's early in the morning for you, isn't it? It's, it's early over there. It's, it's, it's afternoon for us. What time is it in your world? Uh, it's only just after 9 a.m. Oh, that's not so bad. You're wide awake. You've had a cup of coffee in you or, or tea or whatever you guys drink, right? Yeah, I've been for a swim. So, <laughs> Been for a swim. I love that. I well, Ross, for our listeners and viewers, would you explain your specific offer to the marketplace? Uh, sure. I provide a, uh, a service which is coaching and training for recruitment agency owners and staffing businesses. And I provide those services predominantly online, so live hosted webinars predominantly in Australia, also in New Zealand, but I do some face-to-face -face work as well. And I've gotten the opportunity to teach with you here at Influential U, and I've been told that we're like a tag team. And in fact, we've got a few people in Australia that I think have now connected with you. And I just want to say thank you because you've always been a great partner every time that we're on anything. Pleasure. I've always enjoyed it, Josh. Now, we've had you on the previous podcast, and I know that you know that I love your episode because I think the first time I met you, I ran up to you and said, you're Ross Clenet. I've listened to your podcast. And on that podcast, you shared a little bit about the planning that you had done for your finances before Influential You. Are you open to sharing a little bit more about what life was like before you studied with us here at Influential You? Uh, sure. So I first participated uh, in uh, 2014. Josh. And prior to 2014, life was great. Life was fine. But I felt that I was in, I don't know, a rut may not be quite the accurate description, but I was plateauing. And when I spoke to Drew Knowles, um, one of the partners in, in the business, and I've known Drew for many years since 2001, uh, what Drew said about the study actually intrigued me. I really felt that I was up for some study, actually reading books, doing assignments. I wasn't up to going back to university, but I was certainly up for some different form of professional development. And so I participated and what I understood pretty much straight away that as a performer personality, I was living very much in the present. And then it actually worked out fine to a degree. Like life was fine. There was no problems. Business was fine. Marriage was fine. 
But as you know, early in Fundamentals of Transaction, there is an exercise which is effectively a financial inventory. Mm. And that was quite confronting about the situation of my finances and my lack of accurate thinking about the future, my lack of planning uh, with respect to my financial future. And at that stage, I was 48. Mm. And as the saying goes, never too early to think about retirement, but I'd never really thought about it. But I could see that I was unfit for retirement. My mm. finances were not fit, were not on track for any sort of comfortable retirement. And that really uh, shook me up. It was quite mm. confronting to do that exercise. And so as a result of that, I fired my financial planner, who was really just a financial products salesperson, and I engaged um, uh, an independent financial planner, someone I actually pay a retainer to. My wife and I meet with him every six months, and I'm very happy to say that um, we have a spreadsheet going out for the next 30 years <laughs> of my life with uh, an accurate prediction or certainly a forecast with respect to, to our financial situation. So I feel very comfortable that financially I'm on track to live the sort of retirement that um, that I want to live. That's so good. And I, I had a similar experience and I don't think you've heard me talk about this, but around session three, when you start looking at life and I'd spent so many times as a singer songwriter and hadn't really thought about the future. And I remember I sat in Kirkland Tibble's office. I called it the session three blues and I had no pathway and was just like, Kirkland, I don't know what I'm going to do with my money. And now I've got two financial advisors. I, I've, I'm literally, I had a plan and I went to my CEO and said, this is what I need to make this year. This is what I'd like to make this year. Let's see how we can get somewhere in between those two. And I think that confidence of knowing my money helped me a lot. Did you experience anything with the, was there a thing about money that you struggled with? Or was there, maybe you were putting a, something on it or were you just kind of not really paying attention to it? I think reflecting growing up, my parents were were very um, frugal with money. I mean, we had a, I'd say a solidly middle class, maybe lower middle class background. My, my father was a public servant. My mother was a part time swimming teacher. So we didn't go without, but, you know, we certainly didn't have overseas holidays or European model brand new cars or anything like that. And so I grew up where money was never discussed. Mm. Like money was always sufficient, but never discussed. And I think that I'd, I'd, I'd inherited that, that, you know, money would always be there, but you didn't discuss it. There was no real planning, although I suspect my parents did have some planning, um, but it was never part of my consciousness. And of course, it's not taught in schools. Yeah. So I was just going through life, earning money. Things were generally fine and hadn't really thought about the future and what, what was necessary in terms of planning for my future based on that whole experience of growing up in a household where you know money wasn't discussed. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel that on, a, on such a level. I was even having a, a conversation with my study group and Cesar Adrovo uh, said, Josh, you said that it hurts to think about money. What I want to challenge you with is that your money hurts because you're not thinking about it. It's hurting you. And I'll tell you, uh, sitting across from Cesar Adrovo and having him say that, I know he's on faculty with us. You can just imagine my, 
my face just whoa that confront so i would i would say this um as a performer personality a lot of times we don't think about the future we're kind of right here right now was that a factor for you at all when it came to that retirement kind of understanding what your money was going to do or was that a thing for you oh very much just the the right here right now i i just it it was an unseen belief that everything would be okay and of course at some point i need to stop or i will want to stop working and so the money that i generate from working will stop it will stop and so what i've saved will need to sustain me for the rest of my life and although that sounds really obvious to say it was just not something that i'd ever really stop to think about but i'm very pleased that my new attitude has uh, flowed through to my children because my son my eldest son who's 23 has just bought his first car and he paid $33,000 for it from his savings he'd wow. saved up and i said oh wow that's pretty impressive he said oh dad i just as much again i could have bought a car that was worth twice as much and i almost fell over because at his age i probably had about two hundred dollars in the bank well you let him know that if he if he's giving out loans i'm available and i will love to talk to your son so that's wonderful what i just love that idea that it's passed down i love that the knowledge and the, the education that you've had you can share because that to me is so important and like you said we don't teach it much in schools either i think we teach about balancing checkbooks uh from when from what I can remember, and I haven't, I can't tell you the last time I wrote a check. So it's it's kind of fascinating to see that that gap there. Now, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about money in a future podcast this month with Tanya Torres uh, towards the end of the month. Um, but with you, I'd like to talk a little bit more about what life is like now, because you shared with me, we're both in the Legends program, and you've shared that you've won a few awards over the last couple of years. I'd love to hear a little bit about the success that you've had in your business and sort of the career that you're building. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about what it's like. You can see that we put career development lessons from a high performance recruitment coach. I thought there was nothing better than to hear what happens when you actually took some of that advice and used it and used it for your clients. So can you tell me a little bit about how your business is going now? Yeah, business is going much, much better, Josh, um, <clears throat> compared to when I started studying with Influential U. Uh, I'm I'm making more profit and I'm working fewer hours in the business. And <clears throat> a couple of things were uh, critical on that. And I do go into quite a bit of detail on the first podcast. But briefly, it was understanding importance of focus. I had too many offers. Mm -hmm. And I had about 16 different offers within my business. And that was cluttering me and it was cluttering the minds of my customers and potential customers. So I reduced those uh, offers down to five. And that's created much more focus in my business. It's improved the quality of those remaining programs. And it means that I have to, or I, I don't have to, uh, put in as much preparation because I'm producing the same material over and over. I mean, continuing to improve it, but it's not like I have to go back to a program that I last did nine months ago because suddenly some someone wants me to deliver that program and I haven't delivered it for a long period of time. Hmm. So 
I don't, I don't do that um, anymore. Uh, provide lots of offers, and the power of declining. Mm. I was vulnerable to people asking for and receiving discounts, whereas now the answer is ninety nine percent no. That's that's my price because I'm I'm clear about the the value that I produce and the identity that I have in the market. And so one of the just going back to one of the points you made about the awards in having more time available to me, I've been able to devote more time to a couple of things that are very important to me. And firstly is contributing to the industry, the staffing industry association in Australia. So I volunteer my time on a number of committees, including the Professional Practice Council. So I'm part of a committee responsible for the promotion and oversight of ethics in the industry in Australia and New Zealand. And I'm also on the uh, awards committee. So there are annual awards. And I was asked to review all the awards and write a recommendation for improvement um, and as a result of these additional volunteer activities this year, the CEO of the Industry Association awarded me the Outstanding Contribution Award at this year's um, you know, gala dinner, which, which was held in June. And that was quite a surprise for me because I was there with my wife, Michelle, and they announced me as the winner and it was yeah, quite a shock. Uh, so that's elevated my identity. I've, I have more people now approaching me about my offers, people I've never heard about, but people know more about me. And the second thing that having more time available is to devote to a passion of mine, which is breast cancer fundraising. Hmm. Um, my sister Mary, born 18 months younger, or before, um, after me, if she's 18 months younger, uh, died of breast cancer um, in 2012. And um, her son was five and her daughter was four at the time. So as you might imagine, that was pretty devastating uh, for myself and my family. And I devoted myself from a um, charity point of view to raising money for breast cancer research. And then this year, my total funds raised topped $100,000. And wow. so the, um, the chair of the uh, committee presented me with an award uh, for it's called a fundraising legend. Uh, so having raised over $100,000 for breast cancer research in Australia. So that, so both those things occurred this year. So they're both directly as a result of more time I've had available because I've had more focus in my business and I have a stronger identity in the market. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly it. That, that stronger identity in the marketplace. So defining terms. And if you're just joining us, this is Ross Clement. A uh, fantastic blogger, if, and we'll talk about his blog in a second, but you can find more information about him at rossclenet.com, as you can see there. Um, and, and Ross, we define career differently. A lot of people think of career as jumping from job to job to job to job to job on their way to success. And we don't talk about it that way. We talk about it much differently. Um, I believe that the phrase that I, I like to use is the identity of help you are in the marketplace, how you're, how you're known for the help you provide. Um, can you talk to me a little bit uh, from your experience as someone who places people and does placements, um, you know, a, a high performance uh, recruitment coach? Tell me a little bit about your world and, and how our definition of career fits in with your everyday life. 
Well, just a correction. I don't place people in jobs anymore, Josh. Yeah, do, <laughs> uh, yeah. over, over my career as a recruiter, I placed about 3,000 people in wow. uh, different, different sorts of jobs. Um, but in terms of the way it impacts my training and the coaching, I'm always, no matter what program, helping people identify what their specific value is. Because to put it simply, you're going to improve your prospects, whether you're an employer or an employee, by the size and value of the problem that you as an individual solve, solves or your business solves. <clears throat> so you, you have to keep refining what that specific offer is and ensuring that it is valuable in the market because the market will value it. It doesn't matter what people think subjectively, like just a classic example, football or soccer in America. <laughs> so Lionel Messi, the captain of Argentina, led Argentina to the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Now, Messi has also helped his club, well, his former club team, Barcelona, to more than 30 titles. So Messi has been for many years the highest, or if not the highest, the second highest paid player in the world, earning tens of millions of dollars every year. But all he does is play a game. All, mm. all he does is kick a ball and hit a ball. But, that's, but that doesn't matter because the value of his skills produces results for his team that means he's very highly paid. Mm. And so this is... This is something that people fundamentally fail to understand. People get stuck on, I've got all this experience or I've got all these qualifications. Well, it's not that those things are irrelevant, but what really matters is the problem that you solve. And Messi solves a very big problem. He helps his team win soccer matches right. and win soccer tournaments. And as a result, he gets very highly paid. And that, that's a thinking that is not taught in school. It's not taught in universities. People, the traditional mindset, the 20th century mindset is, if I work hard or if I get lots of qualifications or if I've got all this experience or if I have all this tenure, then I'm going to increase my value and I'll get paid more. And that fundamentally is um, not accurate thinking in my experience. I love all of that, um, and I, I love that you're bringing up soccer or football um, just because, you know, my Chelsea team is not doing too well, and you're not rubbing it in, but thank you. Um, and, and I love that you never take the bait and, and, and try to debate me on which team's better. Your Arsenal? Your... Well, that's right, yes. The gun is top of the table at the moment, looking good. <laughs> Thanks for rubbing it in. Now, I'll, I'll say this. It, it's I'm not messy. Like, so my value, how do I figure out what that would be? How do I promote my career? How do I do that? I guess I'll, I'll ask it this way. When you look at your career, you, you literally just help me learn more about it. Josh, I don't do recruitment anymore. I'm a coach for it. So tell me about the value that you are um, in the marketplace and, and, and give me an example of kind of like you and how you found your value and made your offer. Well, it was, and I think for many people in my position, that is people who provide uh, consulting, coaching services, it, it is a bit of a journey. I started out providing live training 
And that was valuable. So in-person training. And I was very well rewarded for that. But when the, I think in America, you call it the Great Recession. In Australia, it was called the Global Financial Crisis. But in 2008, the market for those services pretty much collapsed. And so all the evidence that I had that what I was doing was valuable disappeared overnight. And so that was a very harsh but necessary and timely lesson for me because I went from generating 30 to 40,000 a month to suddenly generating three to $4,000 a month. Mm. And my wife um, had just given birth to our son, James. So it was quite confronting at that point to suddenly have all of this evidence that what I was doing was producing very good income for my family to then suddenly within a couple of months, that's not the case anymore. And so I then focused on, well, what's better value? And what was better value was delivering online because I could provide a public program where people could pay individually. And so it was less you know, far less for people to register individually compared to a company paying me a chunky fee to come in and train everybody. So that 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 was a very significant point in me realizing that I needed to change the value of what I was doing. And then it progressed to coaching. So owners were looking to um, utilize my experience, but I'd never owned a recruitment agency. So I couldn't provide that specific coaching. But what I realized I could provide was to help them distinguish and remove themselves from the, um, the busy work of generating and filling jobs, which is the core of a staffing business and very necessary when you're in startup mode. But if you're going to grow that business, the critical thing is to be able to recruit your own staff train your own staff and progress your role to more working on the business than in the business. And so it's in, in that particular area of expertise, which I had expertise, not as an owner, but as a leader in progressing myself from doing all the busy work of transacting workers that came in to actually leading others. It was in that particular area that I discovered that not only I had value, but I learned how to communicate. And as you know, Josh, as a performer, narrative is, is one of our key strengths. Yeah. And I really, through the education at Influential You, understood how something I just took for granted, the power of narrative and how I was able to use narrative, was in fact highly valued and by my clients. And as a result of that, I've continued to work on my narrative skills. And again, that's continued to expand my value for my clients. Yeah. And I, I love your, there's a theme. I keep hearing the word value and it's, it's fun because a lot of, I, I've, I've sat through business meetings where people talk about their value add and they, they use it as a buzzword. And when you pin them down and you say, Hey, what does value mean? They can't define it. They say, Oh, I'm really nice. Well, yeah, you should be. That's probably good for business. Oh, well, I, you can trust me. Well, we've got the internet. You better be able to trust you. Absolutely. When you talk about value, um, I know that we teach the elements of value. Can you, in your own words, kind of describe what, what value is and then maybe how you found that value through what you studied with us? Well, what value isn't 
the things that you talk about, which are really just things to get you to the starting gate. Mm -hmm. So the starting gate is likable, trustworthy, people respect you, and a foundation of general knowledge. So where value really starts to make a difference is in specialized knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so what I just described early was really my journey from understanding how I could and would progress my general knowledge as someone who'd been a successful recruiter and leader of others into specialized knowledge. And very specifically, it was in coaching. So I built my coaching skills and I predominantly now generate most of my income through helping others, whether they're owners or whether they're team leaders, actually coach their team members. So yeah. skills coaching, performance coaching, behavioural coaching. So it's it's that particular high value in specialised knowledge. So it's not just coaching, it's coaching recruitment agency employees, which is a very niche field. It sounds a tiny field, but I mean, in Australia, you've got about 20,000 people employed in the staffing sector. And you've probably got about 6,000 people who are in leadership roles, some form of leadership roles. I only need about 20 of those people at any one time to be customers and I've got a profitable business. Hmm. So although it sounds very niche, there's actually, you know, quite a significant market when I define it in that way. Yeah. And I'm thinking about just our area and maybe they have some in yours as well. I mean, we've got Apple One, USA Staffing, Aerotech. I mean, we've got a bunch of different ones that, you know, they all kind of specialize in different fields and different areas, but they all need to have some leadership helping in those organizations or else it's turn and burn. And it's really right. hard to continue to find people to do a job and then get the job and, and back and forth and back and forth and around and around. But when you have a leader that's sitting there directing traffic and helping us transact a little bit more properly, people start to fit in the right roles. I imagine that's a little bit of how you coach. Is that, am I on the right track? Uh, well, you're spot on in the sense that turnover is a big factor. I mean, it's the classic of the plumber has the leaky pipes and the accountant's late with her tax returns. It's like most recruiters or recruitment agency or staffing business owners don't have a great record in recruiting and retaining their own employees. Yeah. So that is a very obvious problem. In Australia, the industry turnover rate, staff churn rate is something between about 30 and 45%, depending upon the year. So that is a very obvious problem that needs to be solved. And it's not solved by recruiting more, it's generally solved by improving the selection skills of team leaders and owners and the coaching skills. So to ensure that the right people are offered jobs to be an agency recruiter, and then once those people start, to maximise the likelihood that they succeed because they're given a solid foundation of training and the leader coaches that employee in the way to uh, that will hopefully maximise their results on the job. It's so it, Ross, it's so fun. And, and as we teach it, it influences you. For those of you that are like, well, he keeps saying value, define it. Here you go. Nice and simple. When I walk into a room, I think of these two things. What makes me useful? What makes me scarce? Mm -hmm. Utility, scarcity. 
And if I can think of those two things, it becomes so easy for me to see, hey, the obnoxious, happy-go-lucky Josh may not be valuable in this room. It might be time for the kind of like more thoughtful, more you know, thought-provoking Josh. And I adjust who I am in a room based on kind of what the room needs. Um, now, Ross, anything to say about that? Because I think that would be really valuable for, uh, I guess, someone like you to, to maybe share with some people how they could increase their value in a general sense. Well, I'm always listening, Josh. When I'm talking to a prospect, I'm truly listening for where what they're after is not what I provide. So it's almost the opposite of when someone who's in my position is listening to a prospect. You're listening for, oh, I can do that. And that's like the first thing that you mentioned. But actually using the principle of scarcity I'll say to some, and authority, I'll say to someone, oh, you're looking for me to do, um, I don't know, large team account management with enterprise businesses. And I'm like, I don't do that. I actually have some knowledge, but I'm not specialized enough to provide training services. So that's not me. Mm. So it really helps generate respect and authority when I clearly say, no, that is not what I do. And it's, of course, when someone says, you know, we're looking to improve the skills of our leaders, then I'll say, okay, so what result would be produced to have you conclude that those people, those leaders have improved skills? And if they some, say something like, well, their team members produce better results sooner after we employ them for the first time or turnover in the team reduces, then I'll say, okay, great, that's me. And then I'll give them an example of where I've done that. That's so good. Cause then you, I mean, it's, it's something you said earlier that I, I didn't want to pass up, but I, I still keep thinking we were remembered more for what we decline than what we accept. And when we start to decline more, people start to allow us more authority and we start to move up. We start to, oh, wait, why, why does all of a sudden Ross not think this is, wait, no, but I really want to work with, oh, he does this. And then we start to become more known for that thing. And when you become more known for that thing, that goes back to our definition of career, how you're known for the help you provide. In a way, becoming more known helps with business because they go, oh, you know who you need to talk to? Ross, why? Because you said something about leadership. That's what he does. Ross, I, I think that's really good. And Tom Galt, our buddy out there, he also thinks it's really good. He called you brilliant. Um, I'll call you brilliant as well. Uh, that's so fun. So thank you, Tom. It's good to see you, buddy. I'm going to say this, Ross, because I, I want you to kind of take us out into um, kind of a, a soapbox moment. Uh, maybe something along the lines of career, something that you've learned along the way that would be really valuable for someone who maybe was interested in what you do, becoming the next Ross Clinic, or maybe even something completely different. What, what would be your soapbox moment where you could stand up and scream on the, on the street corner? I would recommend a thorough and deep dive into Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini. That book, is part of our core program, Fundamentals of Transaction. And the learnings or the lessons from that book permeate throughout all the influential youth programs. And I love that book so much, 
I think I've actually read it three times and I've listened to it maybe five times. And I've written a 3,000 word book summary of the recently updated or revised and updated version where Dr. Cialdini expands his principles from six to seven. Mm-hmm. And I just love, love that book. I just love those principles reciprocity, unity scarcity, social proof, authority, liking, commitment, and consistency. They are wonderful principles. I apply them consistently, and people can read in my summary where I have applied those principles and the difference that they've made. And the the thing that people um, sometimes raise is that, ooh, is it manipulation? But it's like, I actually turn it around to go, well, what you want to be aware of more than anything is when people who are seeking your compliance are using one or more of those principles on you. So you can recognize what is going on and then you can accept or decline knowing your aims rather than um, your automatic response to the principles being used by someone else in a conversation with you seeking your compliance. It's, it, it's fantastic. Uh, I, I also recommend the book. I, it's not a it's not a competition, but Ross, I've read it nine times at this point. And I'll give you my I'll give you my um, because I have to right. this is my job. I have to learn that stuff. And this is what I say whenever I come with a salesman that, you know, kind of has a little bit of air to him. I'll say, oh, you're in sales. Me, too. Oh, I follow Cialdini's method. If you're not using unity, reciprocation, community and consistency, liking, authority, social proof, and scarcity, are you even selling ethically? And they look at me with this fear in their eyes because they know, whoa, this guy knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that so much because that is exactly, I, I highly recommend the book and I highly recommend you all come and study it with me because it'll be a lot more fun if you take our class. And for those people that just caught that inside joke, you're welcome. Ross Clinton, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm looking forward to teaching with you a little bit later on Thrive. I'm going to send you out and I'll get you, you can go get some coffee and we'll be back at, at three o'clock for, well, three o'clock my time for, for some more teaching together. How about that? <laughs> great. Been great thank talking you so to you, much. Josh. You too, buddy. Now, here's what I heard. I heard a lot about value. I, I heard a couple really big principles that I just want to let shine through from what Ross said. Number one, decline. Find where you can decline. Our authority comes from what we decline more than what we accept. So what are you accepting and what are you declining? You want to increase your value? Start finding ways that you can decline and stop doing everything for everybody. Secondly, find Cialdini's book. Understand the principles of ethical influence. Once you start to move ethically with people, they start to like you. Oh my goodness. When you're able to use these principles of unity, reciprocation, commitment and consistency, liking, authority, social proof, scarcity, you start to be able to move with so many people in so many different ways. And finally, and and this is the one that I really like, is what is value? What is your value? What makes you useful and what makes you scarce? I'll tell you what makes us useful and scarce. It's the Thrive Program. And if you want to know more about this, and we've got a bunch of resources, I think the one that Ross talked about is actually on our website. So if you'd like to know more about us, go to influentialu.global. You can explore our courses, consulting, and conferences. We offer a four-year curriculum for those seeking an advanced experience. However, if you're brand new to Influential U, we recommend that you start with what I was just describing, Thrive. 
It's our self-guided training. Thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace. Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions like the one Ross and I are about to do and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts just like Ross Clinton. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to faculty, plus discounts to our transformative conferences. And Ross is coming out to Los Angeles in a couple months, so I hope you guys join us. Sign up today and you can use promo code 20 off for a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. That's coupon code 20OFF. 20 off. Next week, I'm really excited because I get to come back here to Thousand Oaks where I welcome Cece Bo into the Influential You podcast. It's, a, it's along the lines of this theme of health, activity, money, and career because Cece is an expert on the condition of life known as health. And I hope you'll join us as we dive into her story about how her participation with Influential You helped others get healthier. Thank you so much for listening today and, and joining me. Each week, we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, so you can easily share this podcast with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place that you get quality podcasts. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to the websites, the books, or special downloads that we talked about on today's episode, including the podcast that he did for us a few years back with my CEO, John Patterson. This podcast is made possible by the Influential You staff, faculty, and members all around the world. A special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, with contributions from John Patterson, Michael Teehee, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, and of course, Liz Smiley. A special thanks to our guest today, Ross Clement. Ross, thank you so much. Couldn't have done it without you. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded on January 4th, 2023. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, entitled Fast Train to Everywhere. And if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app, and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. I'll see you next week on the Influential You podcast. Thank you.